and welcome to my podcast. I'm Connie. I'm a certified nutritionist and personal trainer, and I live on a small hobby farm. I have a huge passion for bodybuilding, but I don't fall into the typical bodybuilding mold. The naysayers, they can have their bro science. Yep, I said it. I'm a natural health and nutrition nerd. Some would call me a granola, but that couldn't be further from the wrong word. I stay away from the typical processed, standard American diet, and I don't eat granola. I created this podcast to share my health journey and the many things I've learned in my quest to find what it takes to live a mindful, happy, balanced life for all humans, not just athletes. I hope to help you discover your inner nerd and help you make some hefty deposits into your knowledge bank account that can help you crack your health code. There's a really strong correlation between sleep in particular and like acute, it seems to be acute insulin uh, resistance really. So the way that I personally will respond to the same meal after, for example, four hours of sleep versus eight hours of sleep um, is pretty wild. Like, you know, two, three days ago, I I pulled really late night, didn't get to bed until like 3 a.m. and then got up at 7 or 7.30 and I knew um, I knew I was going to be seeing some some elevated levels all day, but it was amazing. Like my baseline increased thirty points. I was just like significantly higher base glucose level, and then um, even like a handful of cashews, which typically I do pretty all right with. They do have some carbs, but they're they're high in fat, and, and so usually fine for me. A handful of cashews treated me like a banana. I mean, it was like huge. I, I was up at like one thirty five. And, um, you know, so that's the signal to me. All right, I'm going to eat like a a higher fat, like being able to adapt to the circumstances and say, all right, well, I didn't sleep well last night. I know that I'm going to be kind of in a bad place. Let's try and keep things from getting crazy here, um, is really clutch. And, um, yeah, it's, it's something that I want to do much better on in in terms of our product is like pulling in these, uh, these other metrics in particular sleep and, and comparing and pulling insights out about how you personally respond to these stressors. It's really stress is what it comes down to, I think. It's like stress and recovery. Hi, guys. That right there was a little clip from Josh Clementi. He is the founder of Levels Health, which is a continuous glucose monitoring company. So I talked with Josh a little bit today about what got him interested in continuous glucose monitoring. Um, He is a CrossFit trainer and he started noticing some interesting things and feelings and trends with his blood sugar and how he was feeling. So super interesting episode today. He talks about their platform and how it's going to revolutionize health, fitness, um, anywhere from the regular general population to elite athletes. And we dive into a lot of things blood sugar related. So this is a wonderful episode. I'm so excited to be bringing him on. And before we get to our conversation, I am going to let you guys know that I need some reviews. And so I will be for the next few episodes I'm having a little contest. So if you guys go on and leave a written review on iTunes, that would help me out immensely. Um, Also, I want you to throw it in your Instagram stories, tag me in it, and I will enter you a second time. And then I will just draw a name out of a hat for a, it's your choice. We can do a recipe pack that has a bunch of wonderful recipes and ideas for some reasonable macronutrient ratios 
um, or I can throw in a nutritional guidance consultation. So um, there's some goods there. All I need for you to do is pop on there and leave me a review and then uh, that will get you a name in the hat. And if you tag me in your Instagram stories, that will get you another name in the hat. So anyway, so excited to be bringing Josh on here. I look forward to seeing all of your wonderful reviews for this episode. And here is Josh Clementi. Well, guys, I have a treat for you today. Welcome back to the podcast. Today, I'm talking with Josh Clementi. He is the founder of Levels Health, which is a whole system for continuous glucose monitoring. How are you doing, Josh? Fantastic. Thanks for having me on the show. Yeah. So I'm excited to have you on here. First of all, I'm not having you on here because you guys are giving me some kind of funding for this. This is not a monetized podcast. Uh, I get no benefit except for talking to you about awesome things, which is amazing. And that's great for my listeners as well. Um, because continuous glucose monitoring or glucose monitoring in general is something that I have really been into and have dove into a lot further in the last year or so. Um, I've been monitoring my own blood glucose for almost three years now, which is crazy to think of, uh, <laughs> just by poking my finger multiple times a day. Um, and definitely in bodybuilding preps because I noticed all sorts of crazy things started happening with my blood sugar. So anyway, I've talked to you on the phone in the past and we've had some good conversations. And so I thought that it would be super beneficial to my listeners to have you on as a guest today. Awesome. Yeah. I enjoyed our conversation the first time around. I'm, I'm super stoked to dive into the subject matter. I, I really love this space. And, um, you know, it's, although I did found a company in continuous glucose monitoring. It has actually changed my life across the board uh, personally. So it's something that I, I feel very personally uh, sort of a, an evangelized. I've been evangelized. I want to bring this technology out to the mainstream because I do think that it can help a lot of people across the board, everything from performance optimization, uh, cuts for bodybuilding, all the way through to uh, long-term reduction of chronic illness and, and things of that nature. So I, I'm very optimistic and long on the personal right to biological information. And uh, I think continuous glucose monitoring is one of the first core technologies that really has promise there. I love it. Well, before we dive too much into the continuous glucose monitoring and all that stuff, can you give my listeners a little bit of background about yourself and then maybe kind of how you found yourself in this space? Totally. Um, so my background is aerospace mechanical engineering. So I did systems engineering, uh, composite structures engineering, and life support systems development at SpaceX. That was my first job out of school. And uh, actually, the launch that just went off from Cape Canaveral with Bob and Doug, the astronauts, to the International Space Station, uh, that was my life support program that, uh, that was involved in that spacecraft. So it's really cool to see that happen. My, I, I'm very passionate about space personally. And um, it was actually during my time on that life support program that I was first exposed to a paper by Dom Diagostino about the neuroprotective benefits of ketosis. And... Essentially, the, the long and short of it is that when in ketosis, um, these mice could be exposed to high percentages of oxygen and high pressures for long durations without having seizures, which is uh, super surprising. And it caught my eye because I was like, hmm, how can a diet 
give this like superhuman protective benefit. This is really surprising. I've never thought of, uh, twice about diet. You know, my whole thing was fitness. As long as you're fit, you're healthy. And so that was like kind of broiling around in the back of my mind for a long time. And then I started to like more and more focus on how I was feeling. And I realized that actually my day to day is kind of low energy, feeling a lot of fatigue, um, certainly not feeling a, an optimal mood. And this is all while being a, a CrossFit trainer and, uh, you know, hitting the gym regularly and, and really valuing my workouts and, you know, thinking that I was doing everything right. So these two things didn't make much sense to me. It's like, A, uh, I believe that fitness is health. I'm doing the fitness thing. I'm not feeling healthy. Something's missing. And then there's this whole other thing that I'm being exposed to in the research that says that diet has this really powerful physiological transformation ability. Um, you know, the neuroprotective thing just being one element of it. And so I, I just started to dig in. I was like, all right, how can I understand whether I'm making the right choices every day? And uh, started really getting obsessed with metabolism yeah, because you know, metabolism is the cellular mechanisms that produce energy from our food and environment. So they power every process in the human body. So if I'm feeling low energy, something's going on with my metabolism, clearly. Um, and so I came across, uh, I was actually reading Rob Wolf's book, Wired to Eat, when that came out. And I, I read the blurb about continuous glucose monitors. And I was like, that's what I need. You know, glucose is this energy molecule. It's the fuel in my blood. If I'm feeling low energy, something might be happening with glucose. Let's check it out. And, uh, you know, first I got a finger prick monitor. I was pricking my finger like 60 times a day and trying to make sense of it. It wasn't making much sense. Um, eventually I had to, um, after being denied about four times by doctors for a CGM prescription, I was able to get one from Australia and, Within two weeks, I had <laughs> discovered that my glucose was completely erratic and dysfunctional. I was spending a large portion of every day in the pre-diabetic and, and occasionally diabetic blood sugar states, uh, in particular when I was doing these huge carb loads, which I thought were optimal for glycogen replenishment after uh, workouts and to make sure I was you know, recovered for my next workout. In reality, they were spiking my blood sugar way out of the normal range and sustaining it there for long periods of time. And then I would kind of crash you know, at about, about two o'clock, three o'clock in the afternoon after my big lunch. I would, I would plummet back down into this hypoglycemic, this reactive hypoglycemic space. And that's when I would be on the couch you know, <laughs> looking for a nap or digging up another pot of coffee. And, you know, this was the cycle, the vicious cycle I was experiencing. And I saw for the first time with the CGM, the data happening. And it was like this tire screeching, like, wait a minute. I wasn't expecting to find anything of value here. And in reality, I'm like creating this roller coaster of dysfunction myself. Um, and so that launched about a 14 month personal journey of digging deeply into the, the science of glucose, metabolism, uh, metabolic flexibility, ultimately discovering this untapped space of metabolic fitness, which is to say, uh, optimizing that metabolic machinery so that you can switch between fuels effectively, uh, keeping low and controlled glucose levels in order to avoid this like hormonal cascade. And uh, yeah, ultimately started the company levels with our killer team, which is bringing this to the, to the masses. I love this. And you're a smart guy. I can tell already. <laughs> you, you, you get the wheels are turning all the time for you. I can tell because uh, the same kind of thing happens to me and it's, I get stuck on something and then I just keep diving further and further into it. And, and it gets crazy. And um, myself, uh, um, just like you kind of discovered things the same way. I was riding this glucose wave that was just like up and then down and then the tide comes in and it goes out and it's right. just was this crazy thing. And the other thing that would happen to me is during contest preps, 
I would go hypoglycemic constantly. My blood sugar would go down into the fifties and I would feel like I was going to die. And I would have, I was like, I need to eat carbs or do something. And I would carry emergency, like little honey sticks in my, in my bag or a Jolly Rancher or something to try to Mm -hmm. get myself back up. And it was just this crazy thing. And that's when I really started, that was my first contest prep. So I started uh, monitoring my glucose um, at that time was when I really started getting into it because my coach was like, listen, we got to stop, start watching this because you can't go jump on the Stairmaster when your blood glucose is 55. And at first I think she thought I was just being a pansy. And I was like, I can't get on the stairs. I'm so exhausted. I can't keep my eyes open. My legs weigh a hundred million pounds. And, and she's like, she's like, finally, one day I went down to her, her training studio and she was like, Holy cow, what is wrong with you? (laughs) And I was like, (laughs) I don't know what's wrong with me, but I can't move. And she's like, let me check your blood sugar. (laughs) It it was down in the fifties. So I think at that point, which if I only knew then what I know now, I had been riding that glucose rate wave for so long that my body didn't know how to go to fat storage and you're getting low or to going into your fat storage burning Mm -hmm. mode. Um, And at the time I wasn't, I was super lean anyway, and there was just not a lot there, but I don't think that I had that metabolic flexibility. So Mm-hmm. Then I had no idea about that. I would just load myself up with some carbs, shoot my blood sugar back up, and then here we are again on this yep. awesome wave that we're riding. Ride the wave, yeah. Yeah, so about a year ago, I started getting really experimental with what I was doing, and I started to notice some trends, and and that's when I was like, hmm okay, well, metabolic flexibility, this seems like a good idea, but Mm -hmm. I still had that kind of bodybuilder mentality. And here I did all this nutrition schooling that says that you will lose your gains if you don't have carbs. If you go ketogenic, you're going to lose all your muscle. And so I was scared. But at that point I had come out of a contest prep and I was super unhealthy and I was like, you know what? I'm doing it. I'm going to do it. I'm going to, so I went straight carnivore to start and I didn't go into ketosis, could Mm. not get into ketosis, straight carnivore. And I think that was because of gluconeogenesis. I didn't Mm -hmm. have my fats high enough. I was just, yeah, it just didn't work out. So after that, I kind of pulled carbs back in because I was bonking out in the gym and I, my blood sugar was just not that great. So Uh, It was better than it had been in the past. I'm sure there was a a small amount of ketones and things that were going on, but it wasn't Mm -hmm. optimal. So I pulled carbs back in and then I was like, no, I got to try this again. Only this time I talked to Robert Sykes. Do you know who he is? I've heard the name repeatedly. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, he's a bodybuilder. He's a ketogenic bodybuilder. And I was like, okay, Mm -hmm. Robert, I'm going to try this again, but I'm scared. (laughs) And he was like, Oh, you don't have to be scared. He's like, when I'm in contest prep and he's a guy, he's, you know, a a bigger guy, got lots of muscle. He's like, I only have like 60 grams of protein. And I'm like, no, you can't do that. You know? (laughs) And anyway, I, I talked to him and I was like, okay, time to pull the trigger on, on getting ketogenic. And I pulled my fats up and dropped my protein down. And it took me about three weeks to get into pretty good ketosis. And at that point, I started noticing a lot of changes in my energy. I wasn't tired. There was a lot of things that had changed. So that's when all of a sudden I was like, ha, 
metabolic flexibility. Here we go. This is perfect. Exactly. Yeah, it's amazing that that uh, protein sparing effect seems to be really strong where you, you the body will preferentially uh, burn fat because it, it does not want to pull skeletal muscle off when you when you are metabolically flexible. And you see this with people who are fasting for prolonged periods of time and have, you know, sort of entered the fast from a ketogenic state. Uh, they, they see much better muscle preservation. Um, I certainly have done you know, since, since this whole sort of exploration period over the last few years, uh, I have done extended fasting. I've tried different uh, macronutrient ratios. I certainly do not uh, stick to a ketogenic diet typically, but I'm, I'm in the high protein, moderate fat, you know, low carb uh, range. And, and that's just where I feel best. It's where my energy levels are controlled and, and seeing that, you know, sort of dashboard of information every day and being able to like iteratively improve my decisions based on how prior decisions worked out for me is, is super powerful. Like, you know, just today I went on a, on a 30 mile bike ride and, uh, you know, I was pushing pretty hard and I, you know, I, I didn't bonk, but I was watching my glucose levels, uh, you know, plummet. And so I, I, <laughs> I actually made, you know, a few changes to my cadence, like chose when, when to push hard based on how my glucose levels were trending. And I didn't bonk, but I think I may have, cause I was fasted on the, on the bike. So if I had just kept pushing hard, I would hit that wall, you know, and been 20 miles away from home with, uh, just kind of like walking my bike and looking for an ice cream sundae or something to get me back on my feet. So that's the, that, that's, I think another really interesting part of this is like being able to experiment with timing and, um, you know, not be forced out of your comfort zone in terms of how you're trying to eat, uh, because you, you make a choice that you don't have information about, you know, like you want to go and get that ride in and you bonk, you're going you're gonna to need some calories. You're going to need something to get you back on your feet. And that's, that's kind of where people typically will grab candy or eat a banana or something. So, um, yeah, it's, it's fascinating stuff. It's, it's really cool to hear that story of yours on uh, your, your past. So you're, you're ketogenic now. Well, so I'm constantly experimenting. Uh, if you only saw the spreadsheet I have going on on my computer right now, it would blow your mind. <laughs> but it. I'm trying to find what's optimal for myself. Oh, I look at it and I'm like, oh, I might be slightly crazy. But uh, <laughs> anyway, I'm trying to figure my body out because I think long-term dieting and contest prep and doing things the wrong way definitely didn't set me up for future success as far as building muscle and staying lean and things like that. So I've had mm -hmm. to start kind of hacking my system a little bit. So uh, I was ketogenic for quite some time. And then I kind of hit this plateau and I wasn't going anywhere and my energy levels weren't optimal either. I didn't feel so I was like, well, I'm gonna start maybe doing adding a little carbs back in here and there. And I started doing that and I noticed I started dropping weight faster again, um, which most people are afraid to come off of a ketogenic or low carb diet and go to carbohydrates. But I was also experimenting with how that affected my blood sugar and what things affected my blood sugar. So one day I pulled in, I'm usually looking for a quicker carb. I try to incorporate them pre strength training. I don't Cardio, I do fasted. Um, I know there's mm -hmm. different stuff out there, but cardio, I do fasted because I've noticed I do, I perform a lot better on cardio uh, fasted. And I actually was talking to somebody that researches this and I could totally slaughter this, but I, I was um, going on a long ride. Like yesterday is a prime example. I had been fasted about 16 hours and I put in 20 miles on my bicycle and no problems at all. I had plenty of energy when I got done. I checked my blood sugar. I was like 73. And so that tells me that even though I'm pulling carbs back in, 
I'm kind of carb cycling right now every couple of days. I'm still able to be flexible with my going to fat as a fuel source rather than looking for um, sugar. So right. I think that I have kind of trained my body to be able to switch gears. But anyway, I was talking to this researcher and I asked her about that because one thing I noticed is the longer I'm fasted, the less lactic acid I build up. And she was telling me, hmm. and I could totally slaughter this, that it's, I think it's a methyl carboxylate transmitter actually hmm. suppress when you're in ketosis, deep ketosis, and you're fasted, it actually suppresses lactic acid. So hmm. you will be going along at a easier pace because your lactic acid has been suppressed. So I could have gotten so that kind like of subjective wrong. effort, like an improvement because you're not building that, that acid base. Interesting. Right. And yeah, I yeah, knew, yeah. Uh, sorry, but I knew that mm. I didn't just Im improve. It wasn't because I'd done the ride a, a bunch of times before and I did it the day before that. And it was really weird because the day before that I was struggling and it was at, at that point, mm. you know, there's always a certain point in your ride where you're like, dang, this is where I'm starting to gas out, you know? Yep, yep. Uh, and I was like, zooming through it and my heart rate was still at the same spot that it always is but mm. my legs were like doo -doo -doo. they were just going and I was Spinning. like okay it's not like I magically got better from yesterday I should actually in theory be a little bit tired but right. no huh. and it, and I, that's when I asked her I was like what's going on here and that's what she told me yeah it's it's so counterintuitive to a, lo a lot of people that um a you know just the concept of not eating a meal for, for I think the majority of people is really concerning. And then to go more than just a full day and then to, to consider even working out, you know, well fasted, it's just like this whole crazy concept that, that I think most people, uh, you know, they're, they're so used to hearing that you have to eat three to five square meals a day. Otherwise you're going to be, you know, I'm not entirely sure what the, what the repercussions are in people's minds, but um, you know, we have a couple of people on the team that are uh, really experimenting with this fasted, fasted exercise and, and training, that uh, in particular, that fasted zone two cardio, uh, right at the threshold, lactic acid threshold, uh, with the goal being like to increase mitochondria density, to increase mitochondria efficiency, and to be able to um, just yeah go for for days essentially, you know, just that that ultra endurance um, space, and it's really cool to see because the uh, you know, there is a ton of personalization in there. Um, I do some of this stuff. I do I do fasted cardio. Uh, Quite a bit. It's not my not my go-to personally. Uh, I'm still kind of getting into the endurance space from the you know sort of cross training space. But uh, one of the guys on the team, Mike, is is really killing it here, and he'll go for you know like half marathons, fasted from the day prior, and um, his glucose is just rock solid. I mean, it's just like a flat line, and he's you know he's moving pretty quick. It's not like he he's walking, and it's um he, he his efficiency is improving, and his the fact that his glucose levels are rock solid and his ketone levels seem to be coming up uh, indicates, I think, a really strong metabolic flexibility. And uh, this is someone, you know, prior to, to him getting access to his glucose information, he was one of the people who would kind of fuel up right before any workout. It was always like, got to get that pre-workout meal in, got to get those carbs in, got to make sure that my glycogen is fully replenished. And now he's biasing much more towards let's make fat the primary source of, of fuel. And it's really cool to see it happening and see like no negative repercussions. He's not bonking. He's not running into a wall. And um, I think it's just super counterintuitive for, for the mainstream. You know, people do not, couldn't imagine, you know, going 18 hours and then running a half marathon uh, without cal calories. 
Right. <laughs> yeah. It's such exciting stuff. Um, I know for myself, my, the, my numbers stay solid on the bottom side all the time, whether I'm fasted, mm. whatever. I know that my insulin sensitivity is not real good. So okay. that's where I've started to experiment with foods and what foods do. And it was actually kind of funny. Um, yesterday, post bike ride, it was a higher carb day. When I say high carb day, it's like not very many, but uh, it was a higher carb day. I think I had like a tablespoon of maple syrup in the morning in my coffee to to get my <laughs> my carbs after my bike ride, and my blood glucose didn't go past eighty eight over a tablespoon of um, maple syrup. However, the prior high carb day, I experimented with honey for the same amount of carbohydrate load and the honey shot my blood sugar up to 147. So. Uh Oh, I lost your voice here. Oh, did you? There. About that. That's okay. all right. Uh, yeah. So I was, I was asking, um, did you have like a similar sleep and, and meal schedule prior to that, to each of those experiments? Do you think? I don't know why I can't hear you here. Oh. There we go. Gotcha. So, so, that was weird. Huh. Uh, anyway, um, well, the, actually, I didn't even look at that. I mm. should go back and look at that. That's a good point. Um, because I know your insulin sensitivity can change based on sleep, but... Yeah, it's yeah. pretty profound. I mean, I we, we are still trying to characterize this like really if, uh, effectively, but... Uh, th there's a really strong correlation between sleep in particular and like acute, it seems to be acute insulin uh, resistance really. So the way that I personally will respond to the same meal after, for example, four hours of sleep versus eight hours of sleep um, is it, pretty wild. Like, you know, two, three days ago, I, I pulled really late night, didn't get to bed until like 3am and then got up at seven or seven thirty. And I knew, um, I knew I was going to be seeing some, some elevated levels all day, but it was amazing. Like my baseline increased 30 points. I was just like significantly higher base glucose level. And then, um, even like a handful of cashews, which typically I do pretty all right with, they do have some carbs, but they're, they're high in fat. And, and so usually fine for me, a handful of cashews treated me like a banana. I mean, it was like huge. I, I was up at like 135 and, um, you know, so that's the signal to me. All right, I'm going to eat like a, a higher fat, like being able to adapt to the circumstances and say, all right, well, I didn't sleep well last night. I know that I'm going to be kind of in a bad place. <laughs> Let's try and keep things from getting crazy here um, is really clutch. And um, yeah, it's, it's something that I want to do much better on in, in terms of our product is like pulling in these, uh, these other metrics in particular sleep and, and comparing and pulling insights out about how you personally respond to these stressors. It's really stress is what it comes down to. I think is like stress and recovery. Right. Well, Hey, you know, thanks for mentioning that because I'm just going to add that to my crazy graph that I got going on. on go. my computer. <laughs> and you know, maybe that means as soon as I wake up, take my blood sugar, that might be a good indicator of when and how much I slept or how well my mm. rest was or stress or all, there could be a lot of factors involved in that, but mm -hmm. that could be a cool thing to look at as well. Instead of just, um, postprandial blood right. glucose. So, um, anyway, so back to what you just said there, let's talk a little bit now, um, switch gears and talk a little bit about your company and what every, all the data that it is measuring in order to help athletes or even regular people, optimize their health. Yeah. 
So the, the underlying concept is that right now people are making decisions every day, you know, sitting down for lunch, you're going to pick something to eat. Uh, what are you going to pick and why? And uh, most of the time people, people kind of sit there and, and the wheels spin and they, they're like, well, I'll probably choose something that tastes good and that I heard was healthy uh, from somewhere, either like a friend or the internet. And that's fine. It's like, you know, you should enjoy your meals, but our, uh, you know, the premise of levels is to give you the data that underlies your metabolism, your metabolic fitness, and allow you to use that in your daily life in order to make better decisions. So basically closing the loop between an action and the reaction that your body experiences. And so right now, uh, the entire premise is built on continuous glucose monitoring. So we, we use these patches that have a little filament that measures electrochemically the glucose levels in your skin. And uh, this information updates you know, every minute. And so you can continually uh, tap in and check your real-time glucose information and see in near real time how, you re how your body responds to a specific decision that you make. And these decisions are not just dietary, it's nutrition, it's sleep, it's stress, like I mentioned, it's exercise. And so those are the, the core metrics that we are building into the app in addition to glucose information. So we have that, that data coming from the device and then we have lifestyle logging. And so you use the, the app and you record your, you know, your meals, your, your sleep quality, your exercise uh, very straightforwardly. Uh, and then you get these scores. So these metabolic fitness scores and meal scores that help you to understand um, how all of these different metrics about your glucose levels are sort of summing together into a response. Uh, and and I'll, I'll break that down a little further. So rather than just staring at a single number, right, you, you check your glucose with a glucometer. And so you get one number that is, you know, 87 milligrams per deciliter. Well, that's interesting. But where were you three minutes ago? Where were you an hour ago? How fast are you changing? Are you going up? Are you going down? That's the context that is missing with these point measurements. And we've been using point measurements for uh, you know, metabolic health checks for a very long time. So having a continuous data stream means that we can take in, like I said, your baseline, the rate of change, the peak response after a meal, the uh, time above your target range, all of this information can be summarized. And then we build these composite metrics on the level side that turn all of that information into a single score. So you, you, know, you record your meal and then two hours later after we've been able to pull in all the data that, that follows that meal, we provide you a score that you can then use to optimize, right? So you can, uh, you know, if it's, a, if it's a positive score, this is something that maybe you wanna keep in your dietary uh, you know, archive. If it's a negative score, you can start to split out some of the ingredients or some of the other factors, like maybe I didn't sleep well last night. Uh, maybe I, I haven't worked out in a few weeks and that will affect insulin sensitivity. And so we're helping people, we're, we're really empowering people to uh, log their lifestyles and, and really tap into this metabolic awareness component in order to achieve metabolic fitness. I love this. This is just the bomb. And especially for people like me, where I, I mean, I have a lot of clients that are, they have type two diabetes, they have a bunch of big things going on. And, you know, I've slowly had them realizing that, I don't know why, like they know that type two diabetes and insulin resistance and all these things are involved with blood sugar. But for some reason, they don't notice that certain things make it way worse. Mm. <laughs> so I think a real time feedback on a lot of that, especially for a lot of coaches out there, it could be a huge tool for their toolkit as far as successfully helping their clients understand the impact of the foods that they are eating. Yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, it, it's hard not to get dejected when you look at the data on uh, metabolic health in the country. 
there's a recent study that shows that only 12% of American adults are metabolically healthy. And you have 90 million Americans who are American adults who are pre-diabetic. 70% of those are estimated to become type 2 diabetic uh, in the next 10 years. You have 35 million plus type 2 diabetes cases. Um, and so you know, basically the, about 50% of the uh, adult population in this country is pre-diabetic or diabetic. And this is a catastrophe for the future. It's not just an, an individual problem. It's a social problem. It's a, it's a fiscal problem. We're looking at a healthcare system that's already overloaded without adding you know, 80 million, 90 million additional diabetes cases into it. Uh, you know, the lost work, the lost time with loved ones, the inability to you know, be mobile. It's a, it's a really tragic um, and, and prolonged state, metabolic state that people are in. And I think a lot of it has to do, people don't want to make bad decisions. They want better information. And this is just an objective metric that is super useful for people to, uh, you know, because it's real time, because it responds to the actions you take. It's, in my opinion, one of the most valuable uh, technologies that has come uh, to of age, so to speak, in in the past ten years for 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 health uh, outcomes. And so, um, you know, that's that's the that's sort of the the illness side of the relationship. And I think giving people the access to their own data and allowing them to make better choices is just, it's table stakes. We need to allow this uh, across the board. This, this should be a thing already. And, and so we're excited to, to bring that to a broader audience. And, and then there's also the, the world of performance optimization, right? So tapping into energetic uh, molecules and being able to measure them in real time is something that it's kind of been like a pipe dream for a long time, but now it's becoming realistic, right? And, and I'm, uh, Looking at the, the landscape, I think we're going to have a lot more analytes coming to market in the next few years uh, that will be, you know, I'm thinking we're going to get some fatty acids, maybe some lactic acid measurements. And uh, these in combination with, with CGM data, it's going to be like a whole new world for, for athletes and elite performers. So I, I kind of see it as the same spectrum. You know, we're all on a metabolic spectrum. You have people from, from the very metabolically fit all the way down to those who are, uh, you know, currently metabolically dysfunctional, whether they know it or not, like I was. Uh, this information is relevant for all of those people, right? It's just your personal goals and how you're going to use that data is, uh, is personalized. It's up to you, you know, specifically what you're focused on, whether that's weight loss or shaving a few tenths off a, off a mile run. You know what I mean? And, you know, one thing that I really like that you said there, Josh, was that like yourself, you had some metabolic problems going on. Um, a lot of people don't even realize that they have big issues happening. And so just, it, it's not, this is not about people needing to lose weight. It's not about obesity. There are a lot of people out there that are athletes that are working super hard and their metabolism, everything is working against them. They don't realize that they have a health, an underlying health condition. Mm -hmm. um, I know like myself, I didn't know I was insulin resistant. I mean- right. I didn't know that. And I mean, I was recently diagnosed with PCOS, so that makes a little more sense, right? Because it's like, mm. oh, okay, people with PCOS really struggle with this. But um, I didn't realize that. And, and that can turn into type 2 diabetes. So here I am, I'm an athlete, I work out all the time, I watch right. every little thing that I eat, every little thing that goes in my mouth, and I actually have an underlying health condition. And so a lot of people don't realize that they are that their insulin sensitivity is not good and they don't realize all these things. And 
you know, blood glucose isn't just about their sugars and diabetes. We're looking at um, atherosclerosis. We're looking at all sorts of heart stuff. There's a lot of big picture factors here. Uh, I know definitely with this COVID stuff going on, I hate to bring it up because mm-hmm. I get kind of tired of hearing about it, but it's here. So we'll talk about it. It's There is a huge assimilation between COVID stuff and people's blood sugar. Huge. Yep, absolutely. So, it's yeah. pretty impressive. Yeah, yeah. Um, one of my co-founders, Dr. Casey Means, she, she wrote a really amazing article in uh, Journal Metabolism about the the asymmetric the asymmetric outcomes for people who have an existing metabolic disorder and COVID, and it's pretty it's pretty shocking. It, it, I don't un, you know fully understand the mechanisms, but it's a, the data is very clear. There is a worse outcome relationship for people who have, in particular, a, a, a disorder of glucose, uh, like like type two, type two diabetes or prediabetes. And you know, I was I was throwing out those numbers about prediabetes earlier, but one of the most interesting is that of those 88 million people who have prediabetes in this country, 90% of them do not know they have it. That's the most important thing, and the reason they don't know is because they have no access to real-time information. When I went uh, to my doctor and requested a, a continuous glucose monitor, um, you know the, the the context for his decision not, not to provide one was that my A1C and fasting glucose were were okay; they were in the normal range. And those are for for people who don't know, A1C is an it's an estimated average of glucose, right? It's not an exact measurement. You're not measuring glucose and then averaging it. In fact, they're measuring the amount of glucose that has bound to a red blood cell. Uh, in your blood. And so that's a, it's kind of estimated, depends on how long your red blood cells last. So that number is not very reliable in the first place. And secondly, the fasting blood glucose situation is um, typically you'll measure it, you know, in the morning, you haven't eaten anything. That's going to be when your glucose levels are typically the best. And it takes a long time and a lot of glucose dysfunction for your fasting glucose numbers to start to get erratic. So there could be underlying dysfunction for years before this starts to become a problem. When I put the CGM on, I had real-time dynamic information. I saw it as it was happening, and I saw that there was a huge amount during the day caused by my lifestyle choices that was out of control. And that's the key. You know, people need this, this 90% of people who are in the dark about their impending uh, metabolic dysfunction or their current uh, metabolic dysfunction that is going to get worse if they don't do something. Uh, you know, this is the key. They need to have better information so they can make better choices. And, um, you know, it's... Yeah, I mean, currently with the COVID thing, it is. Uh, there's been more talk about metabolic disorder and and how we can uh, tackle it. And I think, you know, it's it's one of the my in my opinion, just one of the most threatening uh, trends. You know, to see globally, we have uh, metabolic dysfunction that is increasing at an increasing rate across the world. As countries get more developed, the rate of diabetes and cardiovascular disease increases uh, non-linearly. And this is a, you know, this has been holding for decades now. And, uh, you know, again, like you were saying, it's not just diabetes. It's also cardiovascular disease. We're, we're seeing now in schools, in medical schools, that uh, Alzheimer's is being called type 3 diabetes because it's insulin resistance of the brain. Uh, you have uh, PCOS, like you were saying, metabolic condition that, that is the number one cause of infertility. Um, there's just an amazing number of disorders that are all kind of coming back, it seems, to this chronic lifestyle-related uh, glucose dysfunction, uh, potentially. So it's really yeah. interesting to follow. 
And thanks for bringing up the Alzheimer's thing, because that's another big thing where the, you know, a low carb or ketogenic diet comes in to play big time. And it's actually kind of interesting. I see this shift kind of happening. You've got half of the, it seems like half the medical field that's like, yeah, no way. And then half of it that's like actually starting to go, oh, wait, hold on a minute. So one of the nursing homes that my friend is a nurse at um, locally here is taking their Alzheimer's patients and putting them on a low carbohydrate diet. Wow. And there's a big study going on in their nursing home over this. And they're like, there's like, it's like, and I was like, she told me that. And I was like, that's freaking amazing. I love it. I love to hear (laughs) this because you, you see these things and you're like, wow, what if you could just change this with diet? Like, right. You won't lose your loved one to, to something that, that can be treated. And not yes. by a bunch of medications, but just by changing their food. If, you know, if the link gets stronger and, uh, you know, I, I think that this recent type three diabetes label is, is a really strong step in the step in the right direction to start looking at alternative uh, causes for, for Alzheimer's. I, you know, it runs in my family. It's something I'm very concerned about. You know, my cognitive preservation of my cognitive function is one of the most important things to me. You know, I want to increase my health span. I want to be fit for a long time. But I also, you know, want my, my brain to be functional, obviously, you know, it's no value to me if my, if my body is in good shape, uh, you know, my heart is in good shape if my brain is not. So uh, I, you know, under, understanding the underlying mechanisms there would be amazing. I, I don't think we are at that point quite yet, but we're getting much closer. Yeah, that's super exciting. So your guys' program hasn't launched yet, or is it starting to actually launch to where consumers can start? testing their blood sugar with your products and um, getting into your program? So we're in what we're calling beta mode, which is, uh, you know, essentially we're still in development. We're, we're improving the software, you know, continually. And we've uh, basically we're in an invitation only mode right now. We have a fixed number of slots each month and we uh, bring in people who are very high intent. We're willing to help us out with the development process and, and giving us super high value feedback as we go. Uh, that being said, we've made huge strides on the product and experience, and, and we're getting uh, really high quality signals that people are are improving their lives, or improving their decisions uh, every single uh, every single day, right? So they're they're getting this recursive feedback loop, which is helping them to make better choices. And we're seeing trends. Um, you know, we provide reports throughout the program. We're seeing trends that the glucose control the that they are exerting over themselves is is improving as well, which is a really good signal. So um, yeah, that's. That's our current mode, and we are going to be rolling out pre-orders this summer uh, in order to allow people to reserve, uh, you know, a, a spot for the for the full launch. And then our full launch is going to be coming sometime later this year, um, ideally before the holidays. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it, I wish I had a hard date. Where we're, you know, the biggest thing for us is that we're achieving the goal, which is that the product adds value and that people feel that they have control over the decisions they're making, that they have confidence and that the, the data stream is actionable. You know, it's very important not to just dump out numbers and, and say, good luck. We want people to know, okay, this is what I have to do with this information. All right. So I'm going to put you on the spot here a little bit. Are you ready? <laughs> yep, I'm ready. <laughs> you can choose not to answer, but I mean, obviously continuous glucose monitoring is becoming more popular. There are several programs out there. Mm-hmm. Um, but you guys are are making your program a little different. And yeah. so what's going to set you above these other programs? Well, uh, firstly, we, we have, uh, to my knowledge, the only program that includes a physician consultation for a prescription. So 
we, uh, you know, F in the F in the United States, the FDA controls all CGMs as uh, prescription only devices. And so we ensure that there is a, you know, a fully independent telehealth consul consultation for the devices. We fulfill them directly from a pharmacy. Um, the, there are no foreign imported sensors or anything of that nature. So I believe we're the only program that, that has that system in place. And we have a world-class team of uh, software and medical experts. And so the machine learning models that we're building that take that data and turn it into insights and action, I think are second to none. And um, there's a, there certainly is gonna be a ton of focus on CGM and bringing this, this technology to market. But um, you know, what, what we are oriented around again is the actionability, behavior change, and the future, which is these other analytes that are coming uh, to market in, in, the, in the next few I'm hoping next few quarters, which we will be continually adding to our, uh, again, those machine learning models of metabolic fitness. So over time, we'll be adding more and more metrics and we'll be improving our ability to predict how you'll respond to certain foods, decisions, lifestyle choices, and then giving you scoring and metrics that, that allow you to continually improve. So we're really just cracking the, the, the surface right now with, with glucose. And I think our team is, again, our team is what's going to set us apart. And, you know, I love that. I know you guys are going through some rigorous beta testing and stuff to make sure that your product is second to none. So, um, and you're putting the time in and that's part of the reason that this product is, is got a little bit of a weight in order to jump in on it. So, um, I'm certainly appreciative of you guys taking the time to completely make sure that you're putting the best product on the market. Yeah, absolutely. I, you know, we, Sam, for example, my co-founder and CEO is, he, he's done several hundred lead calls. We've had a call with, with every person who's used the program thus far. And we, you know, we do these interviews just to understand where this person's coming from, what their goals are, what they're looking to learn. And it's very instructive for us to, under, to understand what our audience is, who is, who is looking for this product and just hasn't yet found it. And um, so we've been building, the, the product is built on the feedback we get from our beta customers. We could not be luckier to have the enthusiastic group we do. And each person that goes through is improving the program for the next thousand people. And uh, yeah, that's our, our philosophy is that, you know, we have to build the thing that people want and that people will use. And so we are all, everyone on the team uses this daily, is, is um, you know, personally striving for metabolic fitness, metabolic uh, health. And so, you know, I think that that, that core enthusiasm, that passion, and then the connection to our audience is, uh, is really key for us to improve daily and, and succeed in our goals. I love that. I appreciate it because here's the other thing. All of this data that is, is becoming relevant to health is going to change the future as far as all sorts of things go. So the medical industry may not be putting in the time to research it, but now we as the people are personally doing it ourselves. <laughs> and I think that's definitely going to make a huge paradigm shift. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, again, the, the right to access one's own biological information, I think is, is really important. We, we need to have a, a, a broader conversation about this in society because uh, for the most part, it's not just your medical records, which are hard to, to get access to. It's, it's the data that is, you know, the, these molecules and these trends are coursing through your body every single day. It's happening whether you measure it or not. The only way, though, there's an old saying, you can't, can't uh, manage what you can't measure. That's what it is. You can't manage what you can't measure. And so, you know, we're expecting people. It's, it's kind of similar. I, I would relate it to financial information. Like, imagine giving someone a bank account and saying, don't overdraw, and then not telling them what the balance is, right? How do you, how do you know? 
what choices to make. You have no idea what's going on in the account. And so we're, we're kind of doing this daily with people and they're flying blind. And if we could just provide them with an easy path to, to gaining access to the information that they need to optimize around, this would stop happening. I, I truly believe it. And, and we see it every day with our, with our customers. You know, they come in and they have, a, they have a fixed set of assumptions about what's healthy. And a lot of times they uh, ratify those things, right? They see um, re positive reinforcement of the choices they're making. And then a lot of times they're seeing counterintuitive, you know, up the, the opposite is happening where, for example, oatmeal, you know, you, you Google the healthiest breakfast and top three oatmeal is going to be there. And uh, I don't think there's been a more consistent trend in our program than oatmeal puts people in a high blood sugar state. And I'm one of those people, um, you know, no toppings, no <laughs> maple syrup, no brown sugar, uh, I eat plain rolled oats and, you know, I might as well eat a donut. Um, so these types of things where people may be forcing themselves to have that, that oatmeal because they think it's, you know, it's going to help them with, maybe it's a concern about long-term heart disease or, or whatever it may be. But if you look at the relationship between glucose variability, spikes and crashes in your glucose and cardiovascular disease, it's a very strong correlation. So it could be that this is actually not working in favor in these people's favor. And in fact, could be working against their goals. So again, like I was saying, you know, the, the right to one's own bodily information, I think, uh, should not be <laughs> infringed upon. And we should, uh, we should bring this into the conversation more. I 100% agree. You know, it's funny. I posted a thing in my Instagram stories, which I don't have a huge Instagram following because I used to shut my Instagram off for every contest prep. So Makes sense. Thank God for my podcast. Uh, but anyways, uh, I, I, um, posted in my Instagram stories and I had so many people are like, why would I, I put who checks your blood sugar? Like, have you ever checked your blood sugar? Mm. Because I was curious and I had only one person that said, I only do it when I'm experimenting, which was good. Wow. She's, yeah. she's a medical student. Uh, everyone else is like, why would I do that? That's crazy. I mean, I have friends that are nurses that are like, I'm not poking my own finger. And I'm like, why? <laughs> why? You can learn so much about yourself. Yeah. I mean, look, I, I get it. The, the poking the finger is, is, it's a pain. And not to mention the whole apparatus, you know, you got to put the lancet in, you got to stab, <laughs> blood's going everywhere. And, and so I get it. And that, that's, again, the beauty of CGM, you know, you wear it continuously and it's the, the little filament, it's literally painless. And it doesn't, it, you forget that you have it on, you know, and you can swim with it, you can shower with it, and you're getting that data full time. Um, so, you know, it, what's interesting to me, though, is this, this concept where don't worry about measuring it until it's broken, right? Once it's broken, then we'll measure. And this is, this is currently how we approach metabolic health. You know, you're in the normal range, you're in the normal range, you're in the normal range, then you cross this, you know, this invisible line, and now you're not in the normal range. Uh-oh, you know, something's wrong. Let's, let's work on that. And um, of course, you need to you need to start fo focusing when when there is a problem, but it's the whole process of developing the problem that we need to pay attention to. You know, in two thousand nine, there was an international group of experts that met about the these crazy trends in metabolic health, and they reviewed the literature and basically said there is no lower bound for risk, glycemic risk uh, for diabetes. There's there's no lower threshold. It's basically a spectrum, and different people actually will uh, their systems will fail at different thresholds, if that makes sense. So it's not the case that there's just like a single line in the sand. And if you cross this, you are, you know, you, you now have uh, prediabetes or diabetes. It, it seems to be that each person has a personal threshold where they will start to see faster and faster uh, degeneration in their glucose control. Um, and so, 
you know, again, we need to recognize that people are not averages. People are individuals. They have uh, personal responses which, that are going to be affected by their genetics, their microbiome health, their, you know, their current body fat percentage, for example. All of these things have an effect on how your hormones um, interact. And so, yeah, we need to we need to start using the tools we have at our at our at our uh, <laughs> at our disposal, like machine learning, where these models can learn the individual and make uh, predictions and and provide insights in in real time. That's that's what we need. That's what we're going to do. Awesome. Well, I'm so excited to see how this manifests, Josh. One thing to ask you before we wrap it up here, I ask all of my guests this. If there was one thing you could put out there in the world that you would want to share with everybody else that you think could benefit their life, what would it be? Oh man, uh, for me, it's definitely exercise. You know, if it's, if you haven't take, you know, set a goal for yourself, that is a, 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 an exercise oriented goal. I think you should try it. it. It's amazing to, to whether or not you have career goals or you have personal goals, I think, a an exercise goal is always available and you can always have something to work towards. You can always push the, the line ahead and achieving something that you've been working hard for. I, th I think is, you know, it's part, it's built into the human condition. People, people want to have goals to strive for and um, exercise, although I don't always love it. It certainly is um, consistently the thing that, that can get me through hard times. You know, it, it, it helps with my mental state. I, I just, I don't like the person I am when I don't exercise. And I think a lot of people would benefit from, you know, it doesn't have to be something crazy. You know, you don't have to, you don't have to go do an Ironman or something. You, you just uh, set a simple goal, you know, make it, make it outside, go for a long walk three times a week, something like that. Uh, I, I genuinely believe that it, it leads to all these other experiences, like, you know, just getting more in touch with your neighborhood, um, meeting new people. And then ultimately, I think it transforms into a different lifestyle together. And you won't even see it happening. And uh, I just think it's generally positive. And the correlation, you know, for our, our interests here at Levels, the correlation between very simple, just walking after a meal and better glucose responses is incredible. So I'm a, I'm a total believer in any type of movement. It's something that we should all do. Awesome. Well, thanks, Josh, so much for joining me today. I'm excited to see where your program goes and maybe we'll follow up in the future. Yeah, 100%. And, um, you know, if, if anyone wants to read more about this stuff, definitely encourage you checking out our blog at, uh, at uh, levelshealth.com forward slash blog. And then we're on Instagram and Twitter at Unlock Levels and, uh, you know, reach out to us. We, we love to hear from people who are interested in what we're doing. And I can't wait to bring this, bring this to launch time. Yeah, I'm excited. And I'll make sure and put all your information in the show notes and that kind of stuff too. So people can find you. Perfect. Well, Connie, this is awesome. I, I really appreciate you having me on. I appreciate you. Thanks so much, Josh. Well, everybody, thank you so, so much for listening and spending your time with me again. I am so thankful for this podcast and all of my listeners and all of my guests that come on here and talk with me about all of these subjects that can help people um, achieve their health and wellness goals. It's so amazing networking with all of these people that have so many different facets of knowledge that they are willing to share with all of us. So it has been really rewarding being able to share all sorts of information with you guys. And I seriously look forward to every single podcast. So thank you so much again for joining me. If you need anything at all, DM me. I'm on Instagram at Connie Bigani. I love questions, comments, feedback, anything. You're never a burden. And I promise I will get back to you 
it is always wonderful getting great feedback from my podcast or even not great feedback. I'm totally for hearing what you have to say. So thank you again for listening to my podcast and I will see you next time, everybody.